Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Right now, would you put your hands together for Dr. Cindy Trim? Amen. We are so excited to invite all of you to our life group here in Atlanta, Georgia. And we are meeting with life groups around the world, from Africa to Brazil to Asia to all over South America, Central America, North America, Canada, London, all over the world. They are tuning in. And our life group want to send a love hand clap to you to welcome you today. Amen. So many people over the last few years have become disgruntled about giving. And as I travel from place to place, I've discovered that I I believe that there's a way that we can remove that discouragement and indifference because most people, a lot of people now that used to give, they don't give anymore and they've become sort of indifferent to the message. So tonight I want you to open your Bibles and I want you to turn to uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 33, Luke chapter 8 verse 33. And we're going to go directly into our message. Why people do not receive a return on their giving? Is there a reason why? How many of you have ever come to a point in your life where you begin to question things like tithe? And does God require tithe? And what's this first fruit thing? How many of you have ever become a discouraged or even indifferent when it comes to giving in the kingdom? And you ask the question, you know, is this thing worth doing? And how can I really maximize the principles that operate in the kingdom relative to kingdom economics, biblical finances. There's a whole lot of people that are praying for finances, and it's interesting, out of all the requests we get for prayer, they primary, primarily are in three areas. Number one, people are requesting prayer for their relationships. People want their relationships whole. They want their marriages to work. They want to know how to relate with people in the workplace. You know, the second... Uh, prayer prayer request that we get is a prayer request for healing. 
People want to feel better. There are some people that are not sick enough to be in the hospital, but they don't feel like themselves. They don't have the energy. You know, they go to bed uh, tired. They wake up tired. They have allergies and headaches, and they just want to feel good for an extended period of time, not just being manic depressive. A few days where you're manic, and then the rest of the days where you feel depressed or oppressed, or you're just getting through life. People want to feel as if life really matters, but they want to also feel better. They want a a sense of well-being. And then the third uh, prayer request is for money. And I tell you, we get more prayer requests for money than you can ever imagine because people now are working. They're not working nine to five anymore. They're working nine to faint. Uh, and, And, you know, they're tired getting up tired uh, going to work and and they're just fatigued and they're working, 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 working and it's almost like the ends never meet. It's it's like somebody's stretching the ends further and further. People have two jobs, three jobs and it doesn't seem like it's enough. And then when it comes to Christians, there are a lot of people that are still praying. They're praying for financial breakthroughs. And in the time past, uh, when the message of kingdom economics was introduced and we started hearing about seed and putting seed in the ground and how the ground is good. And then, you know, we had a revelation of first fruit and we got excited. We already know about tithing offering, but it's best that it's good to revisit it and the widow's might. And you hear all of these new concepts and even old concepts. And, and, and then you, you give at, at a point of revelation, a point of excitement. And then you give and 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 your breakthrough is on the way, but it never comes and it's just around the corner, but you never turn the corner, you know. And then eventually what happens, the average person, even though most people wouldn't say it, but you can sense it, especially if a preacher stands up and, and, and says it's offering time, or a preacher stands up and asks for a $1,000 seed, or a preacher stands up and asks for first fruit, or a preacher stands up and asks for an additional seed. You can, you can sense and you could feel it in the atmosphere. People just shut down. And it's an indifference that has hit us. And then all over the internet, now the big thing is uh, we shouldn't have to t- this is the dispensation of grace. Grace and tithing was a part of the dispensation of law, which is not a biblical fact because tithes didn't start during the dispensation of law. It started during the dispensation of promise and it started by revelation. And so uh, we, we just need to establish once and for all and prayerfully after this, this, this series of teaching, you will be able to establish giving as a part of your uh, own uh, repertoire of tools that you use in order to succeed, in order for you to progress, in order for you to prosper, that this will be your personal conviction. Now, it is my personal conviction, and one of the reasons why I love this teaching, it is because it's the teaching of the of kingdom economics and biblical finances that was not just a revelation for me, it became a rhema word. And then having the ability to apply kingdom principles was the very thing that caused me to break 
through from the realm of poverty into the realm of prosperity. Poverty is not broken by money. If poverty was broken by money, then there would be no poor folk. We would just have to have a dollar or 50 cents or 10 pennies in our pocket and poverty would be broken. And so what I want to do is to go through the Bible, line upon line, precept upon precept, and pray over you that God will give you an enlightenment, that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, and that you would be open to hear what the Spirit is speaking. And without any hidden motivation, or I have no motivation for doing this other than wanting to see you blessed. And why, why is that important is because I sat where you sat. So I know what you feel. And there's, there, there's not a whole bunch of Christians that are that honest that they're going to raise their hand. I think it was just about three people in here that raised their hand where they were able to say, yes, that happened to me. I was questioning whether this thing worked or not. And I had become indifferent. It was only about three. One of, one of them was my hand because I came to a point in my Christian life and I love God. I embrace God, but it seemed like in the area of finances, I was always a day late, a dollar short and I always had more month than money. But I'm going to decree over your life that you will have more money than month. In fact, you are going to have more money than year. In fact, you're going to have more money than your lifetime. You're going to be able to leave an inheritance for your children's children. The buck has to stop somewhere and it might as well stop here. I decree and declare that the buck stops here tonight. Can you repeat after me? The buck stops here. Not another generation of your family are going to struggle like you struggled. I decree and declare God is going to give you so much insight that you will not have to compromise your convictions and your core values another day in your life. You are not going to have to borrow to pay Peter. And Peter uh, is not going to keep demanding of you. You're not going to have to sing that song anymore you're gonna have you're gonna be able to build you're gonna be able to build margin in your life so that you can enjoy life so that you can fulfill God's original plan and purpose for your life without having to wonder how you're going to underwrite the vision that God has given you this is the last day you're going to reduce the vision to fit your pocketbook from today onward I decree and declare you're gonna dream big and whatever vision God drops in your spirit you are going to have enough resources and capital to underwrite it and not only underwrite the vision God has given you you're going to be able to underwrite other people's visions as well you're going to have enough resources enough capital enough finances enough money enough moolah in order for you to give to people who will never be able to return the favor Luke 6 38 the scripture says and that's a familiar tax give and it shall be given unto you Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall man give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. So the scripture is indicating that there is a law that operates, and it's the law of giving and receiving. The Bible said, give 
and it shall be given you. So the law of giving and receiving is one single law. It's not a law of giving and then a law of receiving. It's one law, the law of giving and receiving. The Bible says as long as you're giving, you can guarantee that you will be receiving. So why is it that we have not received an ROI, a return on our investment, how we have invested in the kingdom? There are so many people that have become disgruntled and indifferent about giving simply because they have not seen the return. Turn with me to the book of Haggai, the book of Haggai, chapter 1, verse 6 to 11. Haggai, chapter 1, verse 6 to 11. Haggai, chapter 1, verse 6 to 11. The scripture says something that's interesting. You have sown much, but bring in little. You eat, but have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe, but you are not warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it in into a bag with holes. In other words, you get money on a Friday, but by the time the Monday or Tuesday comes, you have nothing to show for a week, a two week, a month of labor. It's like putting it in a bag with holes in it. And, um, and, and then the Bible said, thus said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways or consider this. Go up to the mountain, bring wood, and build a house. Now, we don't bring wood anymore, but we do realize that money is made from wood. So repeat after me, money grows on trees. Repeat it again. Money grows on trees. Now, I'm going to float that as a balloon. I'm going to come back for you to understand that in a minute. Now, bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. I will be glorified, said the Lord. You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, say the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. In other words, now the house of God is not able to display the, the, the full spectrum of God's glory because we don't have enough money. And we don't have enough money. One of the reasons is because we need to hire more qualified people. But we cannot hire more qualified people if we don't have the budget for them. So that means that the positions that should be manned by experienced paid staff, we have to rely on volunteer. And the sad commentary about most people who volunteer in the house of God, they give God their leftovers. So we give God the leftover energy, the leftover skill, the leftover knowledge, whatever's left over we just throw it into the house of God hopefully God will appreciate the half an hour that we give and when we give it we give it sloppily very few times do I come to, to church very few times where I see the same people over an extended period of time serving the Lord with gladness now I'm going to see people serving the Lord with gladness but that's the first year the second year the third year they just about had it and, and, and they're tired and they're not going to give God any more time. And so where they would be there 24 hours, uh, you know, in a day helping and giving and volunteering now that they're half a day, then that they're a quarter of a day, then that they're an hour and then they can volunteer every now and then. And then when they get called, they're always busy. I can't do it. Where, where are the saints that love the house of God so much that they become addicted to serving? 
living in the house of God. Now, it becomes an interesting thing because it used to be we, we were able to um, have ministry because there were sons and daughters. But now we don't have sons and daughters in the gospel anymore. We have, we have paid staff and a few volunteers, but if that person gets offended, they're going to go to the next church and they're going to go to the next church and the levels of loyalty so that we can have continuity in ministry is not there. And so now people have become disgruntled because they're talking about, well, the church doesn't have the services that I need and they don't have the services that, that you need because we need to begin to pray, pay, pay paid staff, but because the tithes and the offering is low and the tithes and offering is low because the pew is no longer uh, prospering and if the pew is no longer prospering they have to weigh between whether they're going to put gas in their car or whether they're going to come to church they have to weigh between whether or not they're going to put food on the table or whether or not they're going to pay their bill or pay their tithe and it should not be like that it should not be an either or you should have more than enough and and your fats and your wine presses should be running over. And the day of rubbing Peter to pay Paul is going to be over. And you are going to live in a wealthy place. And God is going to bless you. And you are going to be a benefactor. You are not going to have to always wait until someone gives to you. You are going to be the one that people are going to wait on. You are going to be a humanitarian you are going to be a benefactor you are going to be an individual that is going to undergird the orphans and the widowers you are going to be one of the millionaires that God is going to use in the end time because there is going to be a wealth transfer and God is going to prepare you and God is going to elevate your faith once again and you are going to say begin to say with conviction I believe God I don't know how I don't know when but I understand the principles that operate in, in the in the system of kingdom economics and biblical finances and you are going to work those principles and those principles are going to work for you this is the last day you're going to be indifferent I'm going to rebuke the spirit of indifference now in the name of Jesus I decree and declare that God is increasing your faith you are going to be able to say Lord I believe but help my unbelief you are going to be honest with God you're going to stand before God and say God I'm struggling but give me the answer God I'm struggling but show me the way you are not going to sit there and let the devil play games with your mind those days are over let me tell you something if there is one message the enemy wants to fight is the message of prosperity you see money in the hands of a believer underwrites things that are righteous money in the hands of an unbeliever underwrites things that are unrighteous but God said I'm going to bless the works of your hands your hands are blessed I decree and declare your hands are ready to receive an outpouring of financial increase I do decree it, I declare it, I prophesy it, I quicken it, I call it to life by the word, by the blood, by the spirit, I have spoken it and it cannot be otherwise. This is the poorest you 
will ever be. This is the poorest you will ever be in Jesus name. If you believe it, shout I believe it. Haggai said, you looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, said the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is waste, and ye run, and every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from fruit. And I call for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which uh, the ground bringeth forth, and upon man, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of thy hands. In other words, you're going to be frustrated. The heavens over you will be as brass, and the, uh, and the, and the uh, land under you will be like iron. But I decree and declare that you are no longer living under a closed heaven. I decree that you are living under an open heaven. I decree that God is favoring you and as he or as you open your heart and mind and spirit to hear the word of the Lord so shall the heavens over you be open I decree that the heavens are open over us now thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread for thine is the kingdom thine is the power thine is the glory forever and ever amen Glory to God. Bless the Lord. Put your hands together. Can I get a napkin? Something like that. Now, this sounds, I mean, just reading the scripture, it just sounds like the average person's life. Like we are working and working and working and working and working and we're going more and more in debt. But I'm praying that in short order, you are going to be debt free. Two people are excited. You're going to live in, you're going to not only live in houses, but you're going to own houses with no mortgage. You're going to live in, you're going to live in mortgage free mansions. And you're going to own mortgage free vacation homes. You're going to drive cars that you own straight out. You are not, listen, for some of you tonight, this is the last year you will have car payments. You are going to live debt free and the only bills you're going to have is the monthly bills. Watch this. From today onward, you will not have to worry about paying bills and waiting for the end of the month. I decree by the 15th of every month, all your bills for that month will be paid. I'm going to say it again because a lot of you are not excited. By the 15th of every month, your bills will be paid. Let me just prophesy. I might as well throw this out. I decree and declare all of you have black cards. American Express black cards. That means your net worth has just increased. I decree and declare you have more assets than liabilities. Five people are excited. I decree you have more assets than liability. 
Yes, everything you own, you own debt free. You don't owe for a piece of jewelry, you don't owe for shoes, you don't owe for food, you don't owe for your cars, you don't owe, you own, you own, and you own it full out. You do not owe, you own. So why is it now, in in the book of Haggai, God is just listing and enumerating that people are working hard and, and they just can't make ends meet, and no matter how much they earn, they never have enough. I want to give you why the reasons why people have not received a return on their giving. How many of you are givers? And how many of you find yourself in Haggai chapter one? Like money is just slipping through your hand. You almost almost don't want to break a hundred dollars because if you break it, it's gone. And you're like, "I, I, I just bought, I only bought. Number one, the reason why people have not received a return on their giving, why we don't see people living financially independent, is because of a lack of teaching about money. That's the number one. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And if you're there, just shout them there. Matthew 28. Look at verse number 12. Matthew 28, verse number 12. I got this revelation. I bought a Bible. This is years ago. I bought a Bible years and years and years ago. And you know how they have the marketing on the covering. So that the marketing piece um, on, on the cover And on the cover, there was this scripture that was there. I'm a reader. So after I unwrapped the Bible, I went straight to Matthew 28, and this popped out. And God began to teach me on why people were not receiving a return on their giving. And this is years and years ago. But this scripture is going to make a lot of sense. The Bible says, and when they were assembled with the elders, let's read with me. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers saying, say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while, he, while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure him. In other words, let's, let's, let's underwrite a lie. We know that he was resurrected, but we can't have people thinking he was resurrected. So let's promote a lie. And they said, we're going going to bribe the officials, government officials, politicians, the lawyers. We're going to bribe the influencers within the city. But if this bribery is not enough, there's more from where that came from. It says, and if this comes to the governor's ear, we will persuade him and secure him. In other words, if it goes high and he doesn't believe it, then we're going to bribe him. We're going to get him involved and in, in this lie and perpetuating the lie. And we have enough money to bribe him. So verse number 15 said they took the money and did what they were taught. And the saying is commonly reported among the, the Jews until this day. So now they took the money and did what they were taught. We don't have enough teaching um, concerning money. So let me begin with a simple statement. It's not the lack of money that creates poverty, but how we think about money that holds people back from not acquiring it. So, so, so it's not just the lack of money, it's the lack of a mentality. It's how we think about money. 
it, it seems to me that, that people are more inclined to make money than to leverage it into wealth. So money works. How do you get to a wealth, wealthy place? So you have to have money first. And then you convert money. And then, then you convert it and then you leverage it from its capital form into wealth. Now, most people don't have problems with the uh, converting, but we're converting it into the wrong form. We're converting it into things that will disintegrate and things that have no value. You know, uh, those of you that are lovers of, of uh, cars and automobiles, I love beautiful automobiles. And you recognize, you know, you, you decide, okay, I want a Mercedes-Benz. And you want a big band Mercedes-Benz. And you say, okay, I want a 500 series. So that's going to cost you about $120,000, about $120,000. Now, you could put packages on it, but it's roughly about $120,000. Now, if you decide, oh, I don't want to spend that amount of money, I'm going to get a Mercedes-Benz that is maybe four years old, four, three years old, four years old. So that 120, you could now get it for about 60,000, somewhere between 70 and 60,000. That's only four years. If you jump ahead by another couple of years and you go to resell that car, the most you're gonna get is 20 something thousand dollars. Now remember you spent $120,000. Now you, you're, you're in this band that everybody admires. So you sell it back, maybe 10 years down the line, you sell it back, you're only gonna get $20,000, your best. You may get $15,000 if you're selling it back to the dealer. Now if you're selling it back to the dealer, the dealer even might take off for the scratches, and if you didn't keep up with your, um, your service, you know, service A, service B, service C, if you don't keep up with that, they're going to reduce that. Now, if you took that same amount of money, $120,000, and you invested it in a home in a good area, now, you might be still paying a mortgage, but now that house has jumped up to $150,000. So that means that you're holding a nice $30,000 worth of equity in that home. So that means you can negotiate. And if you've done upgrades, now the thing about buying a house is this, if you upgrade on the inside, it doesn't hold the same value as upgrading it on the outside. And this is why we talk about curb appeal. So if you're, working with your, if you're working with a home, you want to make sure that that person kept up with the roof and they made sure the foundation was right, but they kept that curb appeal looking beautiful. Now, it's interesting when it comes to us investing. A lot of us would run up a credit card for clothes and for shoes. Mind you, we need to have clothes, we need to have shoes. But some of us have 50 pairs of shoes, but only two feet. So you buying all these pretty things because someone might see you in church. And I always say, look, wear the same clothes until you get your house. And then reward yourself with a new outfit. And if the people in the church are tired of seeing you wearing the same clothes, tell them, buy me something different. But if not, you're going to see this next Sunday.
and the following Sunday. Why? Because I've got to start investing in things that bring equity. Because what you want to do, you want to be able to sweat the equity in something, right? So you want something to give you an ROI. Now, when you use your credit cards, you've got to be careful how you use your credit cards too. Because a lot of us are taking people out for dinner or we're buying dinner. And then, you know, uh, once you eat the food, a day later, the food, your body has processed the nutrients, depending on what you ate. But it's processed the nutrients, and then it pushes it out. So you still had that credit card for that $300 dinner. <laughs> and you're paying for it six months later. You see the difference? It's our mentality. We would run our credit cards up for perishable things, but very few people would run their credit card up for information. So if I said to the average person, uh, do you want to know how to make money? Sure. It's going to cost you $1,500. $1,500? Who's going to pay $1,500? But yet, over a six-month period, you and your girlfriend have bought Starbucks for $1,500. And the Starbucks is gone. And the information could have helped you to build wealth. It is because the way we think about money, it's the mentality that is holding us back. It's not you giving your tithes and giving your offering. It's your mentality about money and, 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 and what you feel you should be doing with that money. And no one has sat down to talk to us. Let me ask you a question. How many of you had parents that sat down with you during dinner time and talked to you about how money works? How money works and showed you how to invest money and how to save money and what to do with money and, and what money. And how many of your parents was a part of a network of people that were wealthy? And so that means that we're coming into church and we're blaming God. We're blaming God for something that he is not responsible for. So let me ask you another question. How many of you have ever taken a seminar or a course specifically constructed and tailored to give you greater understanding of money? And you paid money to do it. Greater understanding, very good. Now, they would have told you, and if they didn't, go get your money back. <laughs> you are a money-making machine. Write it down. You're money-making. Notice the word money-making. You are a money making machine. There's nothing ordinary about you. So your limiting beliefs about money is going to be replaced when you believe this liberating truth that God wants me to be wealthy. That's going to liberate you. We talk about wanting more, but very few people have skin in the game when it comes to making money. Very few people will invest in attaining the necessary knowledge for money. Very few of us grow up around the table talking about money. Very few of us have friends that have access to information that would help us to make better decisions. And if they do, they're keeping it away from you.
So I want to give you as much as I possibly can over the next few minutes concerning money, and this is going to change your life. Why people do not receive a return on their giving. Number one, because they don't have any teachings on money. They lack teachings on money. So let's just start out with a little teaching on money. Number one, money is a means of exchange. That's all it is, is a way that we barter. We used to be able to barter with stones and rocks and shells, and then uh, eventually we started bartering, bartering with other items and, you know, with bones, and then we started bartering with cattle and livestock, and then we moved to money, and money became easier. And so now we are in a... A, a time when money is, is high in value. Money is a means of exchange. Number two, money is a means to an end. It's not just a means to exchange, it's a means to an end. So people want safety and security, so they spend money to get safety and security. They want beauty, so they spend money. They want education and skill. They want to make sure that they have mastery and skill. So they have ballerinas that will spend an exorbitant amount of money or uh, individuals that are involved in sports and golf and, and, and uh, long distance running and high jumping. And they're going to hire the best and the brightest within their particular field in order for them to be the best. And they're going to spend handsomely so that they, they can hone their skills. Money is is a means to an end. What do people want? They want comfort. They want convenience. And they're going to spend money to get it. They want luxury and opulence. And they're going to spend money to get it. I heard somebody say the other day, well, a Toyota is going to get you there just as fast as, as a Lamborghini. But a Lamborghini will get you there in a luxurious way and in an opulent way. I travel all the time and I travel first class. And you can see the people when they get on how angry they are. And the other day, a gentleman was walking by all the people in first class, and he turns around and he speaks really loud. We're all going to get there at the same time. Why would you want to spend money in first class? And one of the gentlemen said, we'll all get there at the same time, but some of us are going to get there in luxury. People spend money for luxury and opulence. They spend money for mobility. So, you know, it's quicker to, to fly in an airplane than to drive. How many of you have ever driven 20, 20 uh, uh, hours or ever driven 15 hours? And you get there, you are exhausted. But you could just jump in, in, in an airplane and get there in two hours rather than get there in 20 hours. You know, it, just imagine, I fly all the time. Imagine me trying to go from here to Brazil, you know, or here to South Africa. Can you imagine me getting on the boat? <laughs> then I dock at the boat and I get on a camel. <laughs> and I ride the camel and I go through. By the time I get there, it'll be next year. But people want mobility, they want ease of, of, of travel, so they spend money. They want status and social standing, they spend money. They want influence and power and authority. I was looking at on social media, and I was looking on um, Twitter, and I tweet every day, so I was looking on the Twitter account, and I was noticing there was this one person that had 
uh, 4,000 likes, 5,000 likes, 10,000 likes. So I went to, to their page, and on their page, they only had like 1,200 followers. That is impossible. You cannot have uh, uh, 5,000, 10,000 likes with, with about 1,000 people. You can't have all of that. You cannot have 12,000 likes for your tweet. And then I found out he paid for it. He paid to be boosted. And so people pay for that social standing. So you're thinking, wow, you know, this person really has all these people following them. No, they don't. They have all these friends. No, they don't. Why? They paid to be boosted. They paid for a list. So here we are. We're, we're really impressed. But they have not got it legally. And they have not got it legitimately. Watch this. Even people that are, uh, are, are uh, say that they're best-selling authors, for instance. And they're New York Times best-selling author. Now, they pay for that. How do they pay? They do uh, all of these. They're amazing things that you can do to become a New York Times bestseller. I've never done it. Why? Because it's cheating. And if they ever find, if anyone ever pulls back the layers to find out that you cheated your way to the best-selling author, there's your credibility. You will, your books will never sell another day in your life. Because why? People are betting on credibility. But there are some people that want status and social standing so badly that they would cheat their way to the top and they would pay for it. I'm still going somewhere. Money is a means of exchange. People exchange their money for freedom, autonomy, self-determination. They, they exchange their money for leisure and a whole array of recreational activities. They, they, they exchange their money for popularity. There are some people who have thousands of friends, but they had to pay each one of them to call them friend. But if they ever lose their money, people pay, they, they, they pay for network power. There were some networks, honestly. There are some network works that if you don't have a specific net worth, they are not uh, going to turn their head twice. They are not going to pay attention. How much are you worth? And if you're worth this, then we're going to let you into our network. But if you're not wor worth this, we ain't paying you attention. We don't care who your mother is, who your father is, who your daddy is. And, and this is when you talk about new money. And, 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 and this is why our president had a, such a hard time. Why, why the, those that were in the status quo did not embrace him. He had money, but it weren't all money. So sometimes you can have a whole lot of money, but people still will not give you access to their network because you're not all money. Money is only a means of exchange. Did you get that? That's all it is. You're going to have money and you're going to exchange it for something. Number three, money is a symbol of substance. It's just a symbol. It's not substance itself, it's a symbol of substance. The Bible talks about Job being rich in substance. The Bible talks about Abraham being rich in substance. Solomon was rich in substance. So money is only a symbol of substance. Why have the symbol when you can have the substance? Number four, money is an economic concept. And every concept has a context. And if your context is wrong, your conclusion about everything is going to be wrong. And so we have the wrong context 
for money. Money is only a means of exchange. That's all it is. Number five, money is energy represented in physical form. And you've got to get this. Money is energy represented in physical form. When you go to the bank and, 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 and you, or, or the ATM and you try to figure out how much money you got in the bank, you, they're not going to be counting the dollars that they have in the vault. Remember Richie Rich, where the father had this vault and they had all the money? The bank doesn't have a vault filled with money. What the bank has is algorithms. So it's just numbers. It's just one with zeros and ones and zeros. That's all it is. It is only money is energy represented in physical form. It's possible that God could, could, could cause a computer to malfunction and dump some algorithms in your bank account and you wake up and go to the ATM and you have $5 million and you wonder where I get the $5 million. Stop wondering where you got the $5 million. Go in the bank, tell them write a check, pull it out, and then pray, praise God after that. Show me the money. So how do you want it? In cash. I don't want another algorithm. Money is nothing more than mere represent, the mere representation of energy in physical form. Money is nothing more than the representation of energy in physical form. Money is nothing more than energy represented in physical form. Money is nothing more than energy represented in physical form. Money is nothing more than energy represented in physical form. Money, and somebody give me $100, is nothing more, $100 bill. Money is nothing more than energy represented in physical form. Money is nothing more than energy represented in physical form. That is what money is. That's all that money is. You don't have $50, give me $100. If you don't have $100, give me $50. Amen. Praise God. So listen to me carefully. This is the physical form. This is what we call money. This is energy that's represented in physical form. So this piece of paper has no value except the value we interpret. So it's the same. Give me a $50 bill. Run, run up here, give me a $50 bill. And then bring me a $20 bill. And give me a $5 bill. All it is, is energy represented in 50, excuse me, represented in physical form. And this physical form, they said, is worth 100. The same, the same physical form. Same physical form. Same physical form. $10, $5, very good. Same physical form, $1, $1. Same physical form. Same physical form. Same physical form. But someone decided this physical form, we are only going to put a dollar here. So that's your perception. This is worth only a dollar. But what if they had put $100 or $1,000 on the same paper, but it only represents something. This says, uh, in God we trust, of course, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. So legal tender. 
So it, in other words, somebody's got something stored in a vote that gives this meaning. The moment they say in the United States of America, oh, we're not using cotton and paper anymore, we're going to use buttons. All of a sudden, we ain't going to be using zippers anymore. Everybody's going to have buttons. Buttons up their arm, button on their shirt, button on their shoes. We're going to go to the uh, uh, nail place and say, I want buttons. Give me buttons. Buttons on your fingernail, why? Because someone changed the physical form. Are you with me? So that means, who gave me this dollar? Please come back and get your dollar. That means I could do this and it don't matter. Why? Because it's physical representation. Who gave me the $5? I could do this and it ain't worth nothing. I could do this and it ain't worth nothing. All you have to do is put the tape back on it. <laughs> I could do this and it ain't worth. Who gave me the other five dollars? I could do this and it still don't change it. Who's this? Who's the fifty dollars? Fifty. He's like, I gave it to you whole. That ain't mine. <laughs> Give it back like I. I could do. You all felt that, right? Your mindset is going to change. You don't chase after this. You want the substance. Do you understand? You don't want a symbol of wealth. You want the wealth. Who's this hundred? Just put a piece of tape on it. Ask my staff, can I get some tape? Are you getting this? So money is nothing more than a mere representation of energy in physical form. So the first law of thermodynamics says this, energy is neither created nor destroyed. So that means that if money is a mere representation of energy in physical form, you can destroy the physical form, but not destroy the energy. I give you power. I give you the energy to get wealth. You want to work for money. You want to keep praying about money, but I'm going to give you the energy that money represents. So that means that if you want to take that power and make one dollars go ahead but it takes the same amount of power the same power to make ten the same power to make a hundred the same power to make a thousand the same power to make ten thousand the same you haven't changed the power source it takes the same power to make a dollar as it does to make a million. Why would you want to pray about God paying your bills when he can give you more than enough? Why 
would you want to limit God to give you a thousand when he can give you a million, when he could give you 10 million, when he could give you a billion? It's only a few zeros. And what is an algorithm? A one plus some zeros. All you are asking God for is at the zeros. Money is nothing more than, mere rep- than a mere representation of energy in, the form, in, in physical form. Energy is neither created or destroyed. So that even if something negative happens to you, even if something negative happens to you, watch this. In, in physics, you have something called antimatter and, and matter, right? So when matter collides with antimatter or antimatter collides with matter, guess what happens? It doesn't destroy it. It disintegrates into more energy. It is not destroyed. It cannot be destroyed or created. Energy cannot be destroyed or created. So even if something negative happens to you, you lose your job. Something that is anti-matter. You lose your job. You, you, You lose your house. Ain't no big deal. Because as soon as antimatter collides with matter, it disintegrates into energy. You always have more than enough. And it's not predicated on a job. Are you getting this? Some people seem to attract more money than others. That is because the energy that surrounds them and the energy that they expand towards a specific end is positive. And we call that positive energy faith. Watch this. If money is substance, it represents substance, right? Money is a symbol of substance. And if faith is the substance of things hoped for, All you need to do is say, Lord, increase my faith. Increase my financial faith. Increase my economic faith. And when your car breaks down, matter is colliding with antimatter and it's going to disintegrate into more power. You can either make that power negative or positive. This is how you make it positive with God. All things are possible and all things work together for my good. The devil meant it for bad, but God meant it for You just say it's all good, honey. It's all good. When your boy says you're fired, turn and say it's all good. Your doubt is going to repel money. Your faith will, re- will attract it. Your thoughts, your attitude towards money provides the energy. Your thoughts are a form of energy. Your thoughts either unlock or release the power of abundance or the power of scarcity in your life. It's all about your energy. What are you thinking about? What do you think you're worth? You're producing energy. You you, you have waves of energy that's moving, attracting certain people to you repelling certain people from you and sometimes you are repelling the very people that you need and you're repelling the wrong people around you you're you you look misery loves company 
You don't need another person around you that's broke and disgusted. You don't need another one around you. Ask God, open up a prophetic door for me to walk out of this network into a new network. Give me the network, give me the ability to network amongst the billionaires. And when God opens that door, you have to change your protocol. Because there's a protocol for every station in life. There's a protocol for every dimension. There's a protocol for everything. And a lot of our protocols are going to keep us in lack. So God <clears throat> will open a door. But what we don't do, we don't ask God, what is the protocol? This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible.